everybody. Welcome to Orange is the New Cast. It's the officially unofficial podcast for Netflix's hit show, Orange is the New Black. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me this week is Nina from Project Fandom. Nina, why don't you tell the fans a little bit about yourself? Hey, uh, yeah, like you said, I'm from Project Fandom. That's my website. Uh, we cover a lot of pop culture stuff, a lot of TV. All movies. the pop culture stuff. So many TV shows. I think we're covering like over 70 shows right now. Um, of uh, course, not at the same time. <laughs> do you have thoughts? Do you have thoughts on Penny, Penny Dreadful? Um, loved it. Loved it so much. Oh, and you just reminded me. We did a contest where we gave away the uh, official, it's called The Art and the Making of Penny Dreadful. And this oh, book is cool. gorgeous. Oh, I bet. Yeah. They sent me all this swag before the season started. Uh-huh. And um, so we did a trivia contest. The girl on my site, Sarah, who does really great in-depth recaps of every episode Uh um she asked a trivia question at the end of each recap for the particular episode and we did a contest where people at the end of the season answered the trivia questions and i need to go pick a winner um to give away the book i love it it. i think it's is it too late to get in that contest yeah, it's done. Oh, shit. Yeah, a lot of people are like, oh. Uh-huh, I know. Yeah, I need to pick a winner, though. Well, um, maybe at the end of this episode, we can do a couple minutes on Penny Dreadful, because we're doing a, okay. we're doing the, the rarely seen in the wild bald move TV episode this week. So if I could get a couple yeah. minutes on Penny Dreadful, I can pace that to the end of it, or in oh, the middle, good. or maybe up front. Oh, yeah, cool. That's Wherever you want to sit on the podcast, you know? <laughs> no problem. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, so you do an incredible amount of work. Uh, I, you know, I called you last cast the hardest working woman in podcasting. <laughs> uh, and you do all that and hold down a day job too. It's it's remarkable. Yeah, it's well. Uh, let let me let's be clear. I mean, I don't go into an office anymore, but <laughs> it's I do some. Do you get up and do you put on pants? Because if you yeah. do that and all all the other stuff you do, then then it's it's amazing. No, I actually do not. I. I don't walk around in clothes during the day. <laughs> oh, well, this this podcast has taken a turn. <laughs> no, I, I just, I don't want people to think, like, I'm not that special. I'm not, like, doing a hard job. I do social media stuff, mm-hmm. and then most of my day is either uh, podcasting or editing content for the site and teaching my kids. I teach my kids from home, but it's summer break now, so. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, well, we're talking about episode 307, Tongue Tied. It is the Norma origin story. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to get right into it. Um, we kind of start with Norma Day in the Life. You know, she gets up and, yep, still in Witten, L- Lady Prison. Mm-hmm. And she gives people the, kind of their morning blessings. And she helps people with their wart removal. And she hocus pocuses love letters. Um, what do you think about the whole rise of the cult of Norma going on in the prison? <laughs> you know, I by the, the end of the episode, I kept asking myself like what's the harm in this and i so i kind of like that we were seeing the flashback so we got we got to see the harm the dark and, side yeah the- right yeah giving people false hope and all of that and of course like he's marrying several women but here i just kind of felt like i don't know that there's any harm yeah and i i kind of feel like some of these people too they know that this is bullshit it's like it's like uh dumbo's feather yeah, like, and it's like, what else are they going to do? So I just, I don't know. I just kind of felt like I didn't see the harm in this. And I think the actress playing Norma, um, I, I found it funny when the Mac guru or Guru Mac or whatever his name is told us she had, he called her sad eyes. I think this actress has really kind eyes. She does, and expressive. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I, it's amazing that she can carry an episode, really. 
Yeah, I thought, honestly, when I first watched this, I watched it for the first time a few weeks ago. Um, I thought I was going to not like it, like, and be bored because mm. she's just not a character I really care about. Why? Because I'm all in on Norma. I've, al- I've, really? Really, I've always really enjoyed her work in the background, and mm-hmm. I was nervous about her carrying one, but mm-hmm. I was excited to see it. So yeah. that was mm-hmm. how I approached it. Yeah, I, but I did. I I did like this um, opening, and I like the fact that she can't even pee in peace. Because as a mom, I know that struggle. <laughs> right, You're trying to pee, and somebody's at the door. You know, hey, do we have any cereal? It's like, can I just wipe my ass, and yes. then we can talk. <laughs> yep, yep. As a single dad, I knew that know that feeling well too. Exactly. <laughs> um, so we then go to the CEOs all having hostile sexual harassment workplace mm-hmm. environment training. Uh, we see a very baby-faced new corrections officer, and uh, you know the Caputo and uh, Danny are talking about the necessariness of this training versus you know maybe some training that COs need more more mm-hmm. urgently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Danny's like, "Well, you just wouldn't you just wouldn't believe Joe the the employees watching porn on their computers, jerking off their offices. It's just disgusting." <laughs> He's like, "Oh, really? That." people do that <laughs> yeah no there's there there I, I feel like the the comedy is getting it doesn't feel less funny but i think objectively orange is the new black is less funny so anytime they can get a big laugh off of a throwaway line about a character's backstory and mm-hmm. how we kind of acknowledge how we've kind of recontextualized joe uh I, I i dig it yeah and my notes i just for this scene i just have corporate as fuck like they're yes. so corporate <laughs> yes they are um we're talking about the the panty, the sweatshop labor prison panties that they're making yes. in the cafeteria, I believe. And uh, uh, they're talking about guys' predilection for dirty underwear, which I know is a, a, a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just a Japanese. It's, you know, like the guy like the guy in Chicago prison last season that wanted a pair of her panties to sniff. Right. I, I don't. That's not how I get down, but you know, I'm into other weird shit, so I'm not going to judge anybody, but it's interesting right. that you could have a little cottage industry of, of of potentially doing this. Like Big Cindy said, uh or Black Cindy, oh lord. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she says somebody's going to like what you like. Yeah. Yeah, I like her. I like she's like, you know, you could be just home. What's she say getting off to your toaster and yeah, you're like, all sad? It used to be people just sit there loving toasters and they'd be all sad. Now just log in, find the same toaster loving people. It's yeah. It's rule 30. Yeah. She's essentially articulating rule 34 of the internet, which is imagine a thing and now imagine a porn version of that thing mm-hmm. and you can search for it and it already exists. Right. Somebody's already already on that. Mm-hmm. And and the 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 sub rule of that is there are no exceptions. Like literally Barney the dinosaur, Mr. Rogers, Elmo and so, there is a picture <laughs> of all three of them fucking somewhere which, on the internet. Which Ruby Rose seems to know all the names. She knows about the furries and the pronies. And mm-hmm. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh and this leads Piper to uh steal a set of panties. Yep. And I, I think this is payoff and, and it's weird because I actually got my notes for this like two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and then we went on the hiatus, and then I background watched this episode while I was also working on my uh, psychosphere section for my True, True Detective podcast. So like, mm-hmm. I've recorded two other po- pods on Orange and New Black after this, so I'm really trying to keep it all together in my head. If and I know you watched it this morning again, yes. so if if I go off script, let me know. No, no problem. But I feel like this is that's a payoff of her trying to make the suggestion of. 
how they can get an additional pair of panties that she's mm-hmm. gone ahead and in a Piper fashion plunged ahead with that plan. And she's just going to pocket the panties for herself. Yep. Um, I like the next scene is Gloria being very uh, justifiably paranoid in a way that Alex is not uh, about her prison paranoia, but justifiably paranoid that red is, is like a Somali pirate trying to get her ladder hooked. Yes. On the ship that is her kitchen. And she's got all her girls, the, the whole Coast Guard watching her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's also doing a lot of early prep work because of the uh, her ride situation. She's got her son yes. coming in. Yeah. And this is where Red, is, they're preparing the potatoes and Red says, Norma, I, I taught you if you boil them first, it peels right off. And I was like, yes. Yeah. Yes. That everybody knows that's the way to do it, uh-huh. especially lazy cookers like me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she's like really hard in the kitchen too, Gloria, because mm-hmm. her son's coming and she's like, uh, you know, barking at everybody more than usual. She is. She's getting, she's getting ready to snap. It looks mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Um, and Red starts, so she starts red buttering Norma up, which leads us to her first Norma flashback. Mm-hmm. First thing. Norma was a dish back in her day. I don't know if oh, you're getting the whole thing, but that were that cute as hell. Yeah, super pretty, and I thought that I actually when I was watching it this morning, I wondered how they do stuff like this. Like, I would have thought that that was the act because the other thing is like you could kind of see the age progression. Yes, and like if that was that actor's actor's daughter, I would not be surprised. I, exactly. Like I wondered when they cast this because, like I said, I thought I think the actress who plays Norma has really kind eyes, and they found somebody who, and I was trying to think like this is supposed to be like the sixties or seventies. Sure. Yeah. So I was trying to think, would I believe that like 40, 50 years later, like this girl is, I was like, yeah, I could, I would believe that she would age and look like this. No, you did a good job. You nailed it. The eyes too. She had the same kind of kind eyes. And I thought, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of that with the kindness is like the motherly aspect that that Norma's got going on. Right. But no, blown away by the casting here. Yeah. Uh, so she shows up this guru empowerment session, which was kind of, you know, we saw it in Mad Men. Um, mm-hmm. We're seeing it in True Detective this season. It was kind of the thing back in, yeah. in the, the 70s and the 60s. Um, and uh, he's empowering her. We find out that Norma is a stutterer, which not a huge surprise. Right. Um, and the guru uh, puts her at ease instantly by saying, you never have to talk to me. I can I can commune directly with your spirit, which she just gets all melty about. Yes, looks at big moon eyes looking up at him. I was like, this is going to be a problem. Yeah, no, this guy is charismatic as hell and uh, clearly giving her the attention and kindness and understanding that she has not been getting a lot of at, right. you know, whatever college she's probably attending. Mm-hmm. Uh, Suzanne, back in the present day, has made something truly pornographic and disturbing for Drama Club. <laughs> uh, we, we have the term uh, uh, someone's penis is described as a swollen pangolin, which I guess is a mammal with scales. Yes, yes. Fifty Shades of Orange is what she's writing. <laughs> and I'm just like, I was in that swollen pangolin. I'm like, please, please, can someone on the production staff write, bang out a couple of these chapters and post them online because they sound like a hoot. I can't believe they haven't done that already. Just have like a fake uh, crazy eye site where she's posting her her work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, blog where yeah. she's posting from you. Oh man, I would I would read the shit out of a Suzanne blog. I would what? I would love the shit. I, oh, I was talking to Kelly about this uh, last week, and the the only thing we said 
is that it's 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 possibly better left to your imagination true that if you actually yeah. read it 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 you know might get old fast but now it's just this just really awesome epic written from suzanne's crazy it's yeah i mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. i it's one of those things where it's like be careful what you wish for probably yeah she told her it's not sex it's love between two people and four other people <laughs> and, <it was> like, <laughs> and aliens and aliens sure yeah. Uh, but Rogers forbids it. Um, and Suzanne kind of goes on a tailspin about it. And Tasty's there as the prison mom, uh, as she's she's evolving into and kind of cheers her up and compares her to Stephen King and J.K. Rowling, which I guess they were famously rejected by yes. their first few editors, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of amazing when you think about it. Uh, it is. And that's and it's actually kind of scary to think that, you know, you could have something that's the I know this all too well, sending out queries and it's just the right person picks it up and it's so subjective, you know, mm-hmm. but still but she gave good advice like I, I and then maybe Stephen King, because I don't know his first few works. And I, of course, I don't know what J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter series looked like for, without an editor. But if you're you're marking that as children's fiction, I would like to meet the editor that turned that thing down, like because. You know, adultery that shit. Yeah. I and think, it's made and rumor, a hojillion dollars. So Right, right. I think the rumor is that she was turned down, well, like normally, like, you know, she was getting rejection letters. And I think what finally happened is I think a receptionist or an inter- some low-level person who's in charge of, like, going through the slush pile mm-hmm. read it and was just, like, and, and brought it to someone who could actually do something about it. Like, attention. This, is, this is banging. We need to publish it. Yeah, All yeah, right. but she gives her good advice to just keep writing. Like one person, you can't because one person doesn't like it. You don't stop. Uh, I have a question for you, Nina. Mm-hmm. Have you ever played Mash? Yes, I have. So I this, didn't call it that though. This is um, as a as a heterosexual white male growing up in the Midwest. Uh, this <laughs> was a world of women that I never had peered into. Like I, I, I've seen girls in the corners of school playing with those like little mouth things where they're like yes. making it open. And like, is that mash no, or okay. Is, yeah. And I, when they were describing it here, uh-huh. uh, like I said, I don't know if we ever called it this okay. and I'm not sure how you get your number, Uh huh. but that's what you do. You have like the different categories and I think you pick five choices in each. So it's like a mansion, a house, like you want to have some crummy shit in there too. Like the projects. I was wondering like, <laughs> yeah, is, is it, is, so is it all random? You pick a number or is it like you get a set amount of points and you get to maximize like, you know, if you want to live in a mansion, then you got to marry uh, a, a gross fat slob or something like that. What's no, it's, it's all random. So oh, I like, I think it's a fortune teller ways. thing. Yes, there's different ways to get your number. Like, I think here she said, you know, you do your spiral and you get your number. But I don't remember how you get the number, but you put all the categories and you put five options in each. And then yeah. you just count. You know mm. what I mean? So, like, you count whatever your number is. And then you, if it's 12, let's say you stop and you cross that out. And then you start counting again from the next choice. So mm-hmm. you hit 12 and then you cross it out. And then whatever's mm-hmm. left in each category when you're done mm-hmm. is your you know is what you get who you marry where you live where you go on vacation yeah sure, sure. And, girls are weird <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you know uh <laughs> us boys punched each other so okay okay um but yeah everyone everyone agrees that piper lived in a mansion except for piper mm-hmm. because you know i grew up with a kid like he his dad owned this like upscale fashion the jeans company Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 this big this big uh levi fashion store and 
we'd always tease him about being the rich kid. And he's like, no, I'm not rich, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I'm like, dude, your dad owns a store and tons of real estate. You have horses. You're you drive a Lexus. Like, I get it. If I could comprehend the fact that you're probably just solid middle class and, you know, all that. But like for all intents and purposes, for Mooresville, Indiana, you're fucking rich. And that's right. kind of the prisoner conversation that they had with Piper. Yes. I love what she said. Do you actually like hear yourself sometimes? Yeah, no. The things you say. <laughs> I, and, and thank God they have those moments because Piper would be even more unbearable if there wasn't mm-hmm. other people calling her on her bullshit every once in a while. Uh-huh. Um, Tasty is in the lunchroom is trying to keep this whole kosher thing under control. The 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 scam the girls are running to get the crisp broccoli because yeah. she's right. If everybody, you know, uh, if this is all well and good, but if everybody does it, it's going to get shut down. And mm-hmm. she gives Black Sydney both a verbal and an eye shushing. Yes, which is on which is just as bad as the verbal shushing. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's talk about the women's prison. Um, being kind of a male 70s exploitation fantasy with the women having sex all the time and running around naked. And mm-hmm. I thought that was another nice moment of, of comedy because Piper kind of trails off realizing that this season the women have been running around naked yes. and there is pervasive <laughs> lesbian sex. And, you know. <laughs> yeah, she goes, oh, but we, we do other things. Yeah, they, 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 they burn books and get le- bed lice too. But, right, uh, right. But uh, and then she goes uh, from this conversation, she goes to Alex and pitches a dirty underwear business plan. Right. And they're, the fact that they're literally sitting on a gold mine. So uh, they could find women with super stinky tutus. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you want to t- t- talk about before we move on to some more on the job training? Uh, just that I there was a moment in this scene with Alex and Piper where I thought Alex was going to be like, are you fucking crazy? You can't do that. But then I remembered they are the worst influence on each other. That's true. And she is a former yeah. drug dealer. So this is like, yes, barely even contraband. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, yeah, Caputo is now doing, uh, you know, they did their sexual harassment training and now they're going <laughs> to get handsy with each other and throw each other underground. Um, they're, they're training physical submission techniques and how to be assertive and how to control the prisoners without, with violence as the last resort. Um, and Danny comes in and says, we're not paying to train these guys. We need to get them on the job training. And Caputo is getting fed up with this because he's right. Like, you know, you put it, it, it seems like that the majority of abuses with police and, uh, you know, correction officers, aside from institutional racism, probably come down to the to, to lack of training right? and, and right. lack of being able to handle a high pressure situation where you fear for your life uh, in a calm, rational, rational way. And uh, seems like a bad idea to shortchange this part of the training. Yeah, I think he said like they're required to 40 something hours of training or something like that. That's that. I don't know if it's a requirement, but that's definitely how they were rolling at the prison before mm-hmm. they were taken over. So, and let me ask you in this scene where he uh, he demonstrates on this black guy uh-huh. and he says, like, imagine that you're a woman and not. And then he called him something and they cut to the black lady's reaction because I thought. It was I was like, was that supposed to be racist? But then, every, then they cut to more people, like the two officers who were dating and stuff, and everybody was kind of like rolling their eyes. And I didn't get, like he called him something high tower. Like, is that a football player or something? Yeah, it, he, he was the the big black dude from the um, 
uh, what was that? Steve Gutenberg Police Academy, and he oh. was a former football player. Okay, because he he called him something. I was like, is he? I like I thought he was trying to say Dante, but he said something like he pronounced it wrong or something. And I thought I thought that was like a racial joke that just went over my head. Mm. Okay, could in okay. it because I'm I'm not even uh, I'm not even visualizing that. But if he called him Hightower, then it's probably a nod towards the Police Academy deal. Okay, okay. especially since like. Caputo wearing the sweats is kind of already very police academy. Yeah, well, I noticed that. Yes. You need to you need to do as the human beatbox in the background, making all the crazy sound effects, and and yeah. and you'd be you'd be golden. Maybe the, the donuts guy can be Steve Gutenberg. Right. Uh, but yeah, that so nothing good can come of this. Um, Gloria continues to be on edge with her son coming in. Uh, we see that uh, Gina comes in to visit Norman, ask her to lead a small group that they formed because her Wiccan thing is getting all weird with people rubbing their cooters on the imaginary energy balls. <laughs> yes. And Red just comes in and shuts it all down and kind of bullies Norma from the position of trying to protect Norma. And it's really bizarre. Yeah. This like, whole the whole art, this whole thing with it. I'm so curious to get your thoughts on the end with Red's reaction. But um this was the beginning of it where mm-hmm. she's like, she, she's, uh, she's uh, aff- like offended for her and stop bothering her with this. And I, I didn't get this. No, she wants to come in like nothing has changed. Yeah. That like, uh, you know, this is mine for the taking and everything will go back to the way it was. And she doesn't realize that no, things have really changed. You mm-hmm. burnt the shit out of Gina with hot oil and Norma has been out from under your thumb for a while and breathing the free air. It might take her a while, but I don't know that you can go back, especially yeah. it's it's I don't know. I Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts. We'll we'll, we'll save them for a little bit. OK, um, we get this leads to another Norma flashback to the guru marrying her. And it, I tell this one really threw me for a loop because it's like seemed very special. And like she's just really consumed with this love. And and <laughs> then you find out he's just assembly line marrying every woman in the convent. And yes. And Norma seems I, she kind of seemed disturbed by it, but not really. What was your read on? I mean, definitely the dude signing over his Volvo are disturbed by it. The guys yes. are like, we're getting fucked in this deal or or we're not getting fucked in this deal. I thought there would be more free hippie love. What's going on? Right. What did you think of her reaction? Yeah, they, you know, of course it was set up for you to think that it was special. And you're like, wow, they really did fall in love. But yeah. it's like, no, yeah, he's marrying all of them. And yeah, when she's standing there, I was looking at her. I was, I kept my eyes on her face when he's like saying the same vows with, you know, the first girl, then the next girl. And you could see at, you know, she felt that she was still feeling loved and special, but it was, it bothered her a little bit. But then you notice when the two guys start whispering Mm -hmm. and he goes, this is getting weird. And I'm like, getting weird. Like this is (laughs) right. (laughs) Right. He goes, I shouldn't have signed the pink slip to my bubble. She kind of shushes them. It's like, I feel like she was realizing there was a part of her that this didn't like this, you know? that this isn't right but when those guys started she shut them down and she like was firmly back on board no i mean fundamentally it seems like she's a follower Mm -hmm. and yes she's not comfortable with this but this is what's happening and she's going to go along with it because she really likes this guy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Uh, donaldson is the gruff CEO that has uh, been paired up with the babyface uh, CEO, who I believe his name is Bailey. 
And he's actually giving some really solid advice on how to de-escalate situations. And you can, you know, we're actually seeing that these guards who have been portrayed as kind of like hapless or tools, they actually are not terrible at their jobs, especially compared to the the donut guys and the baby faces of the world. Right. And he has them. There's some girls playing Uno. And he's like, you know, we need to check, make sure there's no gambling going on. And someone drops the B word on another one. And Babyface just goes in there blazing mace. (laughs) Ends up macing himself, Donaldson, all the women. It is a shit show. Have you ever been maced? I have never been maced. I've had a couple friends in the military and on the police force who have been maced as a part of their training. And they say it is is not fun. So I've been maced. (laughs) (laughs) You mad dog. You mad dog. Let me just let me just explain. Uh, so my dad was uh, NYPD and okay. um, he's retired now. But there, I don't know if it's it probably still is illegal. But I know there was a time when you know you couldn't carry mace, like even women for protection. Oh really? And yeah, and my dad um, before the, they all merged, there was like city housing and the transit police for New York City. But then they all merged as like one big, you know. But anyway, he was transit for a long time. And one of the things they would have to do if somebody got arrested and you're going through their stuff like they confiscated things like mace and he gave me to protect myself confiscated mace confiscated mace it was like in a like a leather holder and i had it on my keys so anyway when i got like my first apartment it was really shitty with my roommate like my bedroom had no windows there was like a little hole by the heating pipe and a mouse ran in that hole and I went over to the hole. I had just taken a shower, so I'm like nothing but a towel. And I got the bright idea to spray mace in that hole. Sure. That'll, that'll teach that, that mouse. Sh- and that shit blew back in my face. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was terrible. And this unventilated room, it was terrible. It was probably, and I've had two kids. It was the worst pain. It's terrible to be maced. How long so did this, it last? I was, I'm curious. Like I've heard it's like 30, it's like 30 minutes for the worst of it. Yeah. And, and when, so when he t- yells at them later to go get an eye wash and they're standing there with like the red eyes, I was like, wait, they didn't do that already. Like you gotta right. get on that shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's not like water. You know, it feels like it makes it worse, you know? No, it's, it's not. Yeah, that, that capsian or whatever is is not mm-hmm. water-soluble. They say it's like you should, like, use some kind of degreasing compound or something on it. Yeah. I don't know. So this whole – I had so basically what I'm trying to say is I had, like, a f- moment, <laughs> a flashback in this scene. It was funny, but I was wincing because I know this pain. Sure, sure. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like seeing guys get kicked in the balls. It's super funny, but also, ooh. Right, right, right. Uh. Let's talk about Lolly. She doesn't remember Piper from Chicago, um, right. which, you know, we'll we'll see how this plot line develops. Uh, Alex comments the fact on the fact that Piper has a, a strong brew uh, in, 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 uh, in, in, in relation to her lady bits. Yes. Uh, and Alex doesn't want to get involved operational because they're they're wanting to get a pa- panty mule and they're looking to settle on the baby face, but Alex seems like she just kind of wants to be the brains of the operation. I don't yeah. know if we want to talk a bunch more about this, but... No, she does drop the line, Joe, that they're going to need somebody, and basically she describes how Piper was. Like, Piper's yes. like, hey, that's what I did. Yes, yes. You had yeah. a very, she has a very weak sense of self. Right, but she thinks the Gerber baby is the one. Right. <laughs> um, so Tasty and Pousset are discussing Suzanne's erotic work, uh there's there's you know we had the pangolin penis and now we got the caterpillar clits 
Yes. Um, and t- Tasty just seems to be completely put off by this stuff. And then Suzanne drops two more chapters on her. And Poussey decides, hey, you know, they burnt all my books. Uh, I'll, I'll take a crack at this. Yes. Uh, and we also find out it has pork swords and squish mittens. I, again, I've, <laughs> I can't believe as a 38 year old male, I've not heard some of these euphemisms, but that must've been a lot of fun in a writer's room. I was just going to say, like, it's probably, like you said, it's more fun to just your imagination. Just brainstorm. What can we call a penis? What's the yes. funniest thing you can call an alien penis? And, yeah. and just, especially since Suzanne has got this huge vocabulary anyway, Mm-hmm. And this really skewed way of thinking, like you just really outside the box when you when you when you talk about these euphemisms, man. Yeah, I would imagine I what I hope is that they threw like a whole bunch of descriptive words and um, animal parts and like, you know, just threw them up on a board they and just, like mix and match. There you go. <laughs> like, uh, what was that? The South Park joke, the uh, family guy was written by manatees that would just get balls that had different words on it and throw it into a ball and that's how they wrote the script for exactly yeah no that's that's the the manatee method (laughs) um caputo just flips out on Babyface, uh rightfully so um but he's giving him a first i don't know i mean i feel like they're lucky they're not getting a lawsuit this lawsuit could be coming i would fire this guy like yeah. He's not – it's not even firing. He's within his 90-day grace period or whatever. Just get the – how much worse can you screw up? Mm-hmm. And he says, I should fire you. He goes, but I'm going to chalk it up to uh, mental – a day of mental retardation or something. Uh-huh. But the, I, I actually kind of like this rant because I, I appreciate the word fuck, and he used it a lot. But mm. I felt bad for the other guy when he says, you know, you have – 20 plus years of experience and your job was to teach him. And I was thinking technically that's not his job. Well, and that's the thing. Like I felt bad for Caputo being in a situation where he has to carry water that he doesn't agree with. Exactly. And yeah. you know, I've, uh, if, if you've been a, a, a boss, you kind of, you know, with our middle management, you know, that feeling of like, Oh Jesus, I got to tow the company line, even though I don't believe it. Right. And, uh, if you got to do it too many times, it's time to look for another job because it's just that shit corrodes your soul. It does. Yep. Uh, let's see. Gloria is trying to teach her son fractions who and I'm I'm with him. Fuck fractions, man. I fucking oh, hated the fractions. The fractions are the worst. And, but, but, you know, it does bite my bite me in the ass every time I try to make mashed potatoes <laughs> because they've got like all the fractions. And they're like, if you need to make any serving size in between here, you got to start doing fractional math. And I'm like, no, nope, I'll just I'll just do what I always do and make way too much. Right. And I add milk it. until it's edible. You know, exactly. oh, we got five gallons of mashed potatoes, guys. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> Should have paid attention in, in fraction class. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, her son and uh, Michael, Sophia's son, seem to be getting along like gangbusters. Oh, maybe a little too well, right? Little, yeah, and you start thinking maybe this Benny kid's a bad influence. You know, he's a little bit more street, and Michael's a little mm-hmm. bit more, you know, middle class and respectable. Uh, and uh, Michael's just very defiant. Um, mm-hmm. And just as things are getting, you know, Gloria's kind of settling in as her new mom role, uh, Belle comes in to get her because the kitchen has uh, developed into a fiasco. That, Somebody uh, cut off their finger. Maritza cut off – I think it's Maritza cut off her finger. Yeah. Well, no, aren't we calling her Marzipan? Marzipan, no. yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> did, did one of your other co-hosts make you learn her name? <laughs> <laughs> well, what happens is 
So it's funny because like when Jim and I first started this, we just like we don't know these people's names and we're not going to front. So like we're just going to call them by their obvious physical characteristics. Like that's how we end up with like eyebrows and uh-huh. and and then as we got like quote unquote more professional, we're like you know what, we really should make a note of these people's names and use them. We just got feedback like this on True Detective. They're like. We have no idea who you're talking about. You've got everyone's names down. To me, they're just crazy mustache guy. And like, <laughs> we might have over-optimized this whole process. But but what always happens is we do a show long enough, we start learning their names. And then it's uh-huh. like weird because it's kind of less fun. It's more fun to cut, call everybody by their nicknames. But yes. eventually you start relating to the characters. Like we don't call Suzanne Crazy Eyes anymore right. because it no, seems... See, we- offensive at this point she's so much more of a really fleshed out character it, it starts you know becoming insulting to call huel meat-eating man yeah <laughs> after tra- a while we have trained our listeners to call them what we call them sure so, for instance the strain i don't know if you watched that uh but there's a blonde hacker this and her, i think the character's name is actually dutch dutch we call her Kesha because she looks like Kesha. So that's what we – I actually put in my recaps, Kesha. Okay. So we've trained people to to use the nicknames. But um, I hope you guys use the dollar sign. Yes, if you're gonna, I do. Because I can, I can hear it in the pronunciation <laughs> if you don't use the dollar sign. Um, but for this, there's two things that bother me about this. Not really bother me. One, do you think that um, Gloria's son, he doesn't look Latino to me. Really? This kid. I thought he looked like Zac Efron. I was like, they, and I don't know if it's, if this is because he's supposed, like you're assuming he's the bad influence of these two. I I think that's the thing is that we're, we are primed as an audience to have our, our, you know, whatever cultural uh, and, and, um, and class prejudices mm-hmm. we have we are dragging them in this episode and and, and we'll, we'll see what happens but yeah yeah so there was that and then the fact that there's such a serious accident in the kitchen they're gonna like i get that she's in charge of the kitchen but she's still an inmate yeah like that just felt weird to me like somebody cut off their finger like why would would they really send a guard to the visiting room to get another in like what is she gonna do yeah you're right you're right. Like this, I don't know. This whole thing just felt weird to me. And like a, a really, I think, stupid excuse to cut this time with her son short. That's not a you bad know? idea. Like if maybe, maybe the idea, I don't know. If, if if I try to help them out here, maybe they could have articulated the idea that like they're a man down now and it's the lunch. Right. It's the lunch rush. And it's not so much about dealing with this stupid shit as look, everything's, we got to serve food and the food's not ready. You need to get there and get, get shit going. I would have bought that much better, but here it just yeah. kind of, she, she goes, I think she even says like, you know, what am I supposed to do? And she says, well, you know, you run the kitchen, right? Like, and I was like, what is she going to do? Go fish the finger out of the mashed potato. Like, I don't understand why this was yeah. happening, but yeah. Yeah. If, if only, if only the, the, the bag food came one day too late to save yes. poor marzipan's finger. <laughs> exactly. Of course it's still, you got to cut it open with the knife. So maybe she'd still manage to find a way, but I don't think it would have delayed lunch for right, sure. Right. Uh, but anyway, this does not impress her son. She can, he can already tell that he was skeptical of this, but he started to buy into it. And now it's like, oh yeah, well, my fucking mom's a prisoner, you know, yeah, great life kind of thing. Uh, Cal, uh, Piper's, uh, brother, who is her only saving grace, as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. is there visiting her and talking about firing up the old baby engine with, uh, her, his wife, who is, uh, a, a, an interesting character in her own right. Uh, he's feeling this, you know, 
late 20 something early 30 something jesus everyone's growing up and they got jobs and they've been out of college and they're doing things and i'm just sitting here doing nothing what the hell am i this this Mm -hmm. uh what did he call the the modern ice cream that this modern ice cream thing might not be what what i need to be doing Mm -hmm. and then she gives him a job she gives him a job she Mm -hmm. gives her little brother a job after she gets a brief larry update which i miss that no, yeah, he just started to talk about even Larry has a job and he's doing some kind of editing for a magazine. And I'm like, what? Fuck, I don't give a shit about Larry. Yeah, nobody cares. Yeah, that totally went over my head. But yeah, no, and, and Cal, I get the feeling Cal knows a lot about the panty, the, the, the panty sniffing industry. He might be, he might be a sniffer. Yeah, he, well, he, no, he says he's a generalist because ah. he knows a lot about a lot of things. I mean, that's, you know, as a, as a kid that grew up on the internet, as a teenager who was, mm-hmm. you know, the parent, I had parents that weren't aware of the depravity that one could get up to online and the just, just the disturbing associates you could acquire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of feel him. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not into a lot, but I know a frightening amount about human sexuality and the deviant behavior just from being online for so long. <laughs> Exactly. He knows that you get more money the longer they're worn. Pregnant panties. Yeah, sure, pregnant that, women I'd buy all that. Every- Felon yeah, panties would be big. Ethnic panties would be big. Mm-hmm, it's, you know, when mm-hmm. it comes down to sex, there is no racism. It's all about just getting off and whatever you exactly. need. So, uh, and he's not there to judge nobody when it comes right. to, to penises and vajayjays. So. And penguins. And penguins and the caterpillar clits. It's it's all good. The whole animal kingdom just just you know bring it on. Uh, <laughs> Dia asks Piper if having money gro- growing up helps, and Piper just goes bourgeoisie to the nth degree. Uh, 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 it just exasperates her because she just couldn't give her a straight answer, and then Dia kind of realizes like, okay, whatever. Um, yeah, you know. She- she brought up the study where she said um, 75, they did a study that said, if you get, I think this is something like $75,000 a year. The money buys happiness, but it, it's got a hard cap at 75000 After right. that, essentially after you've got all your material needs taken care of, you got health insurance, you got a car, you've got, right. you got a reliable transportation, you got a house and you can take one vacation a year. Yes. That's pretty much as good as it gets. Everything else is just more money, more problems. Exactly. I thought that was really, I thought that was interesting. But at the end of it, she says, you know, you didn't have money. I had money. And look, we're both here. Yeah. And then the other thing is, Dias like, 75,000 is a lot of money, which is another, like, to Piper, she's like, that's, that's barely, you know, getting, getting by. Like, you can't afford uh, the all. But, you know, for so many people, that's so far above the poverty line and the national median. Yeah. People don't realize that. But yeah, I was like, that's a lot of money to me. Yeah. And then she asked her what size panty she wears. Because <laughs> she's pregnant and ethnic. It's like the jackpot. Yeah, she get a lot for those panties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. That's like a triple triple word score multiplier. Um, Pousset is actually digging on Suzanne's uh, intergalactic space smut. Yes. Uh, and as Black Cindy is boning up on Jewy movies, she's trying to get ahead of this whole uh jewish witch hunt that's coming she that's predicted and she's trying to go for the experience so she's she's digging on seinfeld she's getting into woody allen yes yes uh and also there's a really cute moment of suzanne enjoying the concept of having a fan like someone's read my work uh then wants to talk about it this is amazing 
that's a that is a thing and it is addictive it sure it, is it you know any anybody who's created original content uh-huh. and put it out there for consumption uh-huh. you know like I, the, one of the books i pub- published was serialized and it it's a good feeling when you put out like book one uh-huh. and people buy it and you read the Amazon reviews and they come to your Facebook page and you're like, Oh my God, I can't wait. When is the next one coming out? That is a good feeling. Yes. And you could see that kind of washing over her. So I loved this scene a yeah. lot. I think yeah. like I, you know, I've, I've not gotten big enough to the point where you turn on the dark side of that. We're like, you know, George R. R. Martin's like, stop going to Comic-Con or we'll kill you. You know, like, just chain yourself to the desk and write, monkey, write. Like, you just feel like almost dehumanized that you're not even a person in the people's eyes. Yeah, um, and yeah. I think that it's really cool how, I mean, this has got to be a lot of Gingy Cohen, right? That she's writing as a creator and the experience mm-hmm, of different mm-hmm. levels of fame and what it looks like to the creator. You, yeah. With the lens of Suzanne, which I thought was just brilliant and very funny. And I love Pusey says, don't leave a bitch with blue balls. <laughs> no, no, you cannot. You cannot. Um, so Danny Caputo discussed the amazing incident. And uh, he says, oh, you're right. This is bad, Joe. But he only offers a six-hour training program as a compromise to the needed 40 hours. So it's like it's bad, but not bad enough to actually train these people properly. Uh, and that's and then, corporate for you, right? Yeah. And then he warns about a bunch of changes coming down the pike. The kitchen is ominously mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then they have this elaborate discussion about um, whether Danny is the boss or not. You know, yeah, the, is he the he kept calling him the warden, right? Yeah, because he's the director of human activity. But he's also <laughs> the assistant warden's boss. So that right. makes him the warden. Mm-hmm. And he draws the little float, the chart, and he says, and it, this is sad. I don't know what this says about me. Maybe I haven't worked, worked in corporate America too long, but it made sense to me. He was like, we're on the same level. And he goes, yeah, but you don't have to check with me to do shit. No, see, I've had this happen to me where uh, I was working for a job in middle management mm-hmm. and um, there was uh, a couple departments got in the spat and I was kind of stealth reassigned. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, it's like they laid it all out and I'm like, this is bullshit. This guy is now my boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, and no, no, no. He's like, a you know, first among equals. And I'm like, OK, but no, he's really my boss because you're right. I have to ask him to go take a shit and he doesn't have to, you know, he doesn't mm-hmm. have to do any of that stuff. So I thought like, <laughs> there again, uh, this is classic time to bone up your resume and find a new job because this how. how right. I don't know how people stand like I know people do stay in these situations for years because they, you know, the whole classic, the the fear of change mm-hmm. has to be outweighed by the pain in the present for you to make a change. But I guess my threshold for that shit is low. Like, yeah, me too. you know, I, I go into and I have this conversation with my boss and he they just deny it. And I'm like, OK, well, you do what you do. But I'm going to be brushing up my resume and taking my skills to South mm-hmm. Beach. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm a really LeBron makes, this shit. <laughs> but what really does make this guy kind of his boss is that the people above them, nothing flows to Caputo. It all goes, filters exactly. through this guy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Norma is closed down, which Gina says is a shame. Uh, and then she has to, cause, because she has to paint Red's nails. She's fallen right back into mm-hmm. the pattern she had and massage her back and 
Red is like halfway back to her full Russian power bear bear powers. Yeah. Um, and she tells a story about the I I, I don't know this um this her pity son. party about her son and yeah. she had to leave him behind with her sister and then he cried for her as her mom and that's what the kitchen feels like and I'm like oh get fucked Reg yes exactly as Norma it, full body massages you get get the fuck out of here it became all about her and her problem and when norma tries to lay hands on her her little healing hands she was like what did she say it makes her uncomfortable she doesn't like it like yes yes get back to what's important which is rubbing my back yeah yeah and then then work on my my pedicure exactly uh which leads us to another norma flashback uh where she is stuck with guru mac they're both a couple years past their prime at this point it's been what do you think 10 15 years Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and he's talking about not going down on trumped up bullshit charges about the other women being, you know, lying, manipulative harpies. It seems like uh, the whole cult thing is, is uh turned around on him. Yeah. And then he says something about tithing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because he's essentially, you know, stealing these people's income and, mm-hmm. and resource. He considers that tithing. And yeah. I just I, growing up in a cult, it made me so fucking furious to watch this guy just abuse the shit out of her and make excuses for himself and, and all this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not the right person to approach this rashly. Cause number one, I'm a Norma fan and she doesn't deserve all this shit and she's right. better than this shit. And also this guy's a scumbag. So <laughs> you yeah. have any comments? And it was hard to watch. It was hard to watch him, you know, yell at her and then the van breaks down. And, and- she's still trying so hard to support him she's trying to get him back on track and get because she she still believes in his bullshit mm-hmm. yeah this was rough and you know it's also kind of recontextualizes the whole relationship she had with red like i'm with now red. i'm kind of mad at red now too which i don't like to yes. be mad at red i like red <laughs> um anyway Daya is trying to ask her fetus for advice because why the hell not you know Daya, what the fuck um Alita comes by and says what I was thinking, like, you're really talking to your fetus, what's wrong with you, which is scary on many levels that me and Alita are on a wavelength of any kind together. Yeah. Uh, and they talk about some good times, I guess they had. I, I don't yeah. know what to say about this scene because she, Alita's terrible and I don't really like Die anymore. So she she is Alita is terrible, but I, I will say in this scene where she's basically I don't want to say I relate it to her, but I understood. Where yeah. I understood what she was trying to say, which is that she really does feel like. Well, first of all, you could tell she f- kind of recognizes that she's not a good mother, and any it made her uncomfortable that Daya had one good memory of her, and she immediately thought, "Oh, well, you were happy that day because I was buying you stuff." And she's yeah, like, "Yeah, you no, had money, was- yeah." Right. And she goes, no, it was just spending time with you. And you could see she couldn't process that. Like she couldn't fathom that this, that her child was just happy because, you know, she was her mother, you know, and yeah. she was spending time with her. But I understood what she was saying, which is that, you know, you, you, you want to think with your heart and make this decision, but I know how sucky it feels to not be able to provide for your kids. Like that was one day. Cause grandma gave me a handful of cash uh-huh. and said, take her out for her birthday. But like the day to day struggle of not being able to provide the way you want to for your kids, sure. like that sucks. And so for the first time, I kind of felt like, I saw her point. Like, I didn't agree, like, because she's trying to tell her, you know, that hope, love is all you need. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I just kind of felt like for the first time, I 
understood this character and where she was coming from. No, and I get it. It's like one of those things, is the chicken and the egg. Was she a terrible mother G- just from genetic and upbringing and all that? Or was, you know, because of the uh, economic pressures she's put under, did that make her a terrible mother? Right. And then she con- obviously continued to make poor choices and kept having kids she clearly couldn't afford. Yeah. And then next thing you know, she's, you know, helping the boyfriend do the drug business. Like, it's a horrible cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I did. I, I, I kind of... Um, you know, I understood where she was coming from more than any other time. Yeah. 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 And that, I mean, I, I guess it's, it's weird to like, you can still judge a person, but then also be like, you know, I understand it's, right. it's kind of like, you know, I, it, it's, it's, I, uh, it's like the Chris Rock thing with OJ Simpson is like, you know, I'm not saying you should kill, <laughs> you should kill people, but this guy's fucking your wife and driving your car. I understand. Like, I, I, understand. I don't, I don't agree with that either, but I'm just saying like, that's the kind of emotion I'm feeling. Like, I don't yeah. agree with what you're doing here, but I see where you're coming from. Right. Exactly. Um, so we find out that it was indeed Marzipan who chopped her finger off and Gloria is dropping F bombs. Like she's on a bald move podcast and <laughs> Sophia is all up, comes in and just jumps her shit about her son's bad behavior and then Caputo comes in and gives her his face full of shit about the finger chopping off. And she just fucks off everything and says, I quit and throws the apron at Red. And Red can't believe it. And then <laughs> Norma gives her this classic, oh, my magic's bullshit face, right? Uh-huh, it's uh-huh. great. And you see, like, every bit of the dialogue is on her face. It's it's great. I yeah. I thought the scene was was awesome. I love Gloria in this scene. I love the, is that her name, right? The one who quits, Mendoza. Yes. Um, she, it, I didn't feel like this was a person who was acting. Like, I felt her frustration. Yeah, she's I a little thundercloud. She, yeah, when she said, and her hair smells like canola oil. Like, everything mm-hmm. about this was great. And then when she, when he says, you can't quit, this is prison. Besides, who am I going to get? And they look at Red, and Red's holding the broom. It was, she was like a fucking Disney princess mm-hmm. when the smile spread across her face. Yeah. It's like. Oh goodness! Norma's yeah, her little bird that's going to sew her a dress, and yeah, mm-hmm. no, I I thought it was great. It it and you know it's like all that stuff happened in the person. That's uh that's a curse God and die moment. Like just too just too much. Just can I can I can I get up? Can I take a breath? Can I can I gather my thoughts? Jesus, right? Yeah. Uh, Piper and the uh who everyone's Twitter painted with Ruby Rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, is are flirting over their panty excess. Listen, and that's all the notes I have on the scenes. So I must not have found it very interesting. I have Ruby Rose official whispers merchandise because mm-hmm. um, I think she she does kind of approach her about her business idea, and she kind of shuts it down. She's like, "This is official." whispers merchandise you can't and you can see piper's like she's thinking she's kidding at first Mm -hmm. (laughs) she's like oh no you're serious and she kind of turns away but um yeah i'm on the ruby this is a gorgeous woman this i don't know that's the thing like i don't know anything else about her other than she is beautiful in the same way that like justin bieber is beautiful right like an androgynous perfectly sculpted impeccable eyebrows and hair yeah, but I also don't want anything to do with them. Like I, I, I feel like I'm <laughs> colorblind to their set spectrum. Yeah, this is I do the fact that there's a apparent Justin Bieber comparison, and I think they just recently met and they're kind of friendly. I don't, I pretend that doesn't exist, but just aesthetically, <laughs> like looking at her, she's freaking gorgeous. And I didn't even know 
Um, I didn't know much about her either. And um, I actually had a friend, uh, an ex-boyfriend who uh, passed away last week and he was in the uh, New York City club scene and a promoter. And she, I was going, you know, people were leaving condolences on his Facebook wall and I was scrolling through it. And one of the last things he posted was July 1st at one of his clubs, she was there DJing. Huh. I didn't even know she was a DJ. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah. That's I know she's like a fashion model and a DJ, which and means she's Australian. That's all I know. Like, like, <laughs> like if she was born in New Jersey, she'd probably been on the Jersey Shore. Right. So I like, you know, that's 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 not I yeah. like I said she's she blessed with g- genetic lottery as far as yeah. uh, just she, almost off putting good looks as far as I'm concerned. And it feels like she's she um, she's very pleasing to look at, but it feels like with the tattoos and the kind of um, attitude that she has, it's almost like she's trying to cover that up. She little. is because she's also like um, genderqueer, which is, yes. you know, that's something that I'm, I'm evolving an understanding of where it's like you're not quite transgender and you're not quite gay. It's it's like you've just got a very fluid, I think. And I, I could right. be totally wrong on that, but it's kind of like I don't want to put a label on what I am. Uh, because and and which is which is fine, but right. I think that part of that dichotomy of her having this classically beautiful looks with the kind of the butch haircut and the aggressive mm-hmm. body tattoos is kind of showing all that you know things that she's got on the inside, trying to make her outside reflect that too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this that's all that happened in the scene where basically she kind of uh, scolds Piper about right. her idea. Yeah. Right. Uh, so yeah, uh, then we have Alex has a little moment where she's raking up some leaves and she sees baby face and she decides she's going to go over there and, uh, start working, start, start greasing him up. Mm-hmm. And then Lolly, uh, who formerly did not recognize Piper now recognizes Piper mm-hmm. and Ruby comes and shows her that she's wearing her panties, mm-hmm. which see, I, I always, I thought the other scene was her trying to flirt with Piper and Piper just being too fucking stupid to get it. Oh, really? Yeah, no, I thought like that that's kind of what they're establishing that like, yes, I am trying to kind of flirt. And this is like equivalent of pulling pigtails and you're just not getting it. Okay. See, she, I would if she was flirting with me. Clearly, I wouldn't have gotten it either. Okay, I didn't. I didn't get that. I guess you're a bad that. lesbian, Nina. I don't know what to say. Um, <laughs> my husband agrees. Um, <laughs> you just fail. You just fail yeah. lesbianism. She, uh, yeah. But in this scene, where she kind of cuts the line and she goes, "I was next." She goes, "Are you?" And then now that would have worked on me. Like, uh-huh. Then I got it. I was like, "Oh, this is cute." And then she shows her the panties and stuff. Okay. Uh huh. Mm. I got it now. Uh, so we see a scene of Red being back to a kitchen tyrant in a hurry, like, you mm-hmm. know, same day. She's just whipping these people into, into shape. Um, so you will peel the potatoes after you boil them. God damn it. Mm-hmm. Um, none of this mamby pamby pussyfooting around. Uh, we have a flashback with Norma because Norma is feeling some of the brunt of her wrath and Guru Max feeling sorry for himself in the wilderness. This is an intense scene. Uh, and he just goes on a tirade on her, um, a self-loathing tirade that he takes out on Norma, mm-hmm. and she can't. She tries to defend herself, but she can't until she finally snaps and just pushes this guy off the fucking cliff, <laughs> and then makes out a you son of a b- 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 bitch, and she cries. And I don't want Norma to cry. It's like watching a baby seal get clubbed. 
Nobody wants to see this. What are your thoughts, Nina? Yeah, he was. He was like, why don't you just leave me already? I'm stuck. Like, it felt, it, it's like when you're, um, like, in a in an action movie or something, or it's like death or suicide by cop. Like, it kind of almost felt like he wanted her to push him. Like, he was just trying to get some sort of reaction out of her. This may not be the reaction he wanted, but... Uh, yeah, I was like, you can't be that dumb, dude. You can't be yelling at a woman yeah. and your back's to the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he wanted out to. It's, uh, Maybe. Yeah. Uh, he, but he, did you wait know why she's in jail? I don't. I think this is this, it. Right? I think you, I think you, you probably can't kill a dude. And uh, I don't think she would deny it. She, you know, uh, that's the other thing. Like, uh, I don't, I don't know. Like, hmm. I don't remember if they ever said. Like, see, the thing in you... fiction, when you can see all sides of an angle, I would not be – w- if, if I see this and, I, and I'm on the jury, I don't convict her. Like, right. this dude had it coming. You you go, you shove that dude off a cliff. Uh, you know, in, in real life, I can't condone that kind of vigilante justice, but uh, I don't know. I want to see Norma locked away for that for the rest of her right. life. She's, yeah, she's... maybe – Maybe we'll get some more flashback. I'm not, as a matter of fact, you're done with the season, aren't you? I am. I am. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I've watched past maybe one more episode after this. So. Okay. You're another, like, P-Line is doing the same thing. She's she's trying to remain pure for the podcast. Well, that's because she's also, like, a jet setter and always doing stuff. <laughs> that's true. She's she's busy. She's another one of those yeah. hard, hardworking women. Uh-huh. Um, we're all, I just sit around and watch TV all day and then occasionally <laughs> talk about it. So, uh red back in the kitchen toaster girls she's you know she's one of those bobby knight types where she just rides you hard but then mm-hmm. it's all worth it look at our results um which i think the crowd is kind of like bobby knight lukewarm on that whole concept right. it's like maybe they have to choke his coach maybe maybe you could have just yelled screamed and, and called us called us uh insensitive things you could have stopped at the choking but uh right. whatever uh and Puto, caputo comes in at the wave of the future it's mm-hmm. prepackaged boil in the bag meals, and he then says, "You didn't think I'd let you take power or be put you in charge and and give you any real power?" And it's a major dum 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 kind of mm-hmm. moment. And Red looks at Norma like Jacques, and Norma's like, "Fuck this! I'm walking off to my Norma group," <laughs> and she just walks around and makes everyone feel loved. What are you, again, Nina? What are your thoughts? <laughs> So what we're supposed to believe is that in that earlier scene where he where he negotiated the six hour training and then he brought all those manuals and Caputo said, I'm not reading this stuff. Mm-hmm. So clearly he went back and read something that had to do with the kitchen. Right. Well, I think or was they, he that always the plan? Well, Danny mentioned that there's some big changes, including the kitchen. And then they cut. So, like, I don't know whether that's a memo. I, 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 doubt, I doubt that the kitchen thing was in, t- in contained in those giant manuals. Maybe okay. it was. But yeah, I feel like that was one of the changes coming around. And Caputo knew it when Gloria had his meltdown, which is why. Okay, yeah, because that's what I felt. I I felt like when he came in in this scene and he was so smug about it, I thought, oh, he must have known that yeah. when Gloria quit. And that's why he was okay with putting her back in charge. But then I thought maybe when you talked about how he mentioned the changes in the yeah, kitchen yeah, and, yeah. and he said, I'm not going to read this stuff. I wondered if he went back and okay. It, um, it, it did feel a little writerly that this all this, this swift retribution came about in a single episode, but mm-hmm. I'm a lot less hard on that stuff when it comes to comedies than I am on dramas. Yeah. yeah. Like no, I, I'll, I'll put up with the fish tornado in, in orange and new black. <laughs> 
if if it's if it makes me laugh whereas in fargo i just about lose my goddamn shit i, rem- I remember you didn't like that and no. then i catch myself when we're talking about tv shows and it's something that is due to coincidence mm-hmm. i feel like i sound like you yeah and i'm telling my co-host no that doesn't make sense it's just a big fucking coincidence it's a, that's bullshit it's a, it's a fish yeah. that's what i call it. it's like anything like it's a fishnado now i used to call it I used to call it the um, the season two Breaking Bad, like the the airliners colliding thing. But yeah, 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 yeah. I like um, Fishnado better. But what I'm not okay with, and uh, Beef Wellington in a bag, that shit looked nasty. Well, I, yeah, and I think uh, you know, well, we we will see how this works out in in actual practice. I don't want to go into too many spoilers, but, but uh, boiling a bag, say- institutionalized food, does not that sound good. But I will say, I don't know if you remember this, when we did last season, somebody shared, and maybe it was Pialani, somebody had shared an article where a woman watched the show with a friend yes. who had been in prison. Yes. And do you remember one of her complaints was the, the in ki- the kitchen, yeah, they're chopping up fresh vegetables and shit. She was like, that doesn't happen. No, and I, I, I wonder if, I, I mean, are you going with this? Like, I wonder if this is Jinji kind of you know, showing some awareness about some of the things she got wrong or fictionalized. That's what I wondered. Cause I felt I said, this sound, this feels more realistic. Like, sure. You know, like, would they really be making mashed? Like I don't fucking make mashed potatoes from sure. scratch sure. <laughs> and, I'm, and I work and you know, like I don't in prison. I just thought like, they don't, this doesn't feel right. This felt right. Yeah. Like, no way it, it it probably is I totally agree and and you know i i i feel like that i think you're right that it's probably was a reaction to this and the fact that it you know the kitchen as a almost a family diner served the show so well for two years and the fact that mm-hmm. they're now able to pivot and judo slam this into a more accurate plot that opens up more dramatic possibilities i think is great and i yeah. think um it's it's really interesting that the show like it's almost season one is almost such a naive take on prison culture right and in season two they show some of the darker side it's like i i i dig that they're starting to walk this back Mm -hmm. and and i think it's one of the things that show does really well but no i I thought this episode was a lot of fun uh i thought norma norma she she had very very firm broad mute shoulders that they could build this episode on the only thing I didn't get was the, at, at the end, this whole once Red was clearly upset with the way things are about to change in the kitchen, the look Norma gave her. Like, I don't, I don't know. It just felt like, I don't understand why she was so kind of like, oh, good for you. Like, now I'm going to go be Guru Mac in the church. Like, I didn't understand why she felt, it, it felt like she was angry at Red. I think, no, I think, I think they earned that moment because, you know, Norma is a different person. She had gotten away and now people have been building up her ego. And mm-hmm. this is like clearly the first time anyone has looked up to her in this capacity and she's starting to eat it up and, and Red came in treating her like season one Norma. Gotcha. And then, you know, Red dismissing her power and then being impressed with her power and then being betrayed by her power. Like, it was just too much of a whiplash for Norma. And, like, Got it. that okay. was her metaphorically shoving Red off of a cliff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Is what got I got. It. But I agree. And that's one of the dangers of, of playing a person non-verbally that, that sometimes you have to... Uh, the, the actor has to just emote and, you know, not... I, I, 
you know, I, I picked it up, but I could see where all people could have a hard time seeing pulling all that stuff together. And yeah, I'm not even I saying totally I'm right. Yeah. No, yeah. I think you are, but I, I totally missed that the the whole when she got the kitchen, Norma kind of took credit for it and that she was recognized or maybe there is something to yeah. the whole shoulder rubbing. Like I yeah. missed that. So if you missed that, then the ending you I also think I that something I see the show falling into a crutch is using the events of the past that these characters are not I like I don't think Norma is meditating on her experience with the Norton um the the guru. It's just presented to us as extra information to recontextualize. Right. But I feel like the show sometimes plays fast and loose with that that you know, these characters almost are being influenced by these flashbacks. Right. Um, because you're right. If you didn't have the flashback to provide context, Norma's behavior is kind of a lot more puzzling. Right. And to me, that breaks a little bit of the rule that they set for their show. Not, and again, it's not a fundamental way and it's a comedy, so whatever, but right. um, I'd be more inclined to be harder on on something like that if it was a drama and if it was anybody mm-hmm. but Norma. But yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I like it better when they're just completely like it gives us context for behavior that would otherwise. I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm um, refuting myself because I do like it when they provide us flashbacks as a way to explain otherwise inexplicable parts of these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's what they did with Norma. So now I'm now I just don't know what to do as a critic. <laughs> you know what we do? We move the feedback unless you have some okay. other other last minute thoughts you like to. Nope, nope. Let's do it. If you'd like to send vid- feedback, uh, you can do it at orange at baldmove.com. Uh, please send in the episode number uh, and title in the, in the subject line so I can keep it all straight, as these people did. And that's why they're getting red, because I was able to rescue it from the my, my giant cesspool of an inbox. Uh, that's raw. I just felt like I insulted everyone to send me email. My giant maelstrom, <laughs> my, my churning, stormy inbox is just this clusterfuck of... St- 15 million different shows and thoughts and everybody watching them at different times. So I can imagine if you can help me with the deal with the chronosphere around this show, I would appreciate it. Dana C did that. And she says, you mentioned being less than mildly interested in the real Piper's book. And it made me curious enough, curious enough to pick up the audiobook version. And she says, audible.com. Am I right? <laughs> and it's still not too late to get the, uh, <laughs> audible podcast.com slash bald mo- or no slash G O T. If you want to use a current code and get a free free audiobook on that, uh, not not too late to get a plug in either. Apparently, uh, anyway, she says I too am a show Piper hater, but I'm starting to feel almost sympathetic towards her after getting to know the self aggrandizing self aggrandizing narcissist who is in real life Piper. I never thought someone could paint themselves as a Mary Sue of a fucking prison, but her account makes it sound like she was cool with everyone, invaluable to everyone, had family and friends so supportive. I was surprised none of them volunteered to do her time for her. Which got me thinking, what if the character of Piper in the show is just a massive troll? What if Jinji Cohen gave us a shitty Piper and shitty Larry just to cast shade on the even shittier Piper and Larry who actually exist? I support this theory with the fact that Piper's nauseatingly bad lone wolf line was cribbed almost directly from the book and in real life Piper's inner monologue about herself, obviously. I'm keeping this as headcanon, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Thanks and keep up the awesome work. Um... I have some a lot of thoughts on this. I want to give you first bat because I tend to just run with things. Nina, what do you I think? Like, I like that idea. I like the idea that Jinji read the book and met this woman. Was like she's a piece oh, of work. The, 
Right. Like she, like to her face, she's just like, oh, this is such an interesting story and this will be great. And then she goes home to her friends and she's like, this crazy bitch. I'm taking this bitch down a peg or three. (laughs) I hadn't considered that. Like that she doesn't under, you know, like people don't, a lot of people don't like Piper. And I think when you like the whole thing with Skylar White and I'm drawing a blank, there's somebody else on a show that I'm watching that uh, the, a lot of people don't like another female you got character. Betty Draper, you got right. Lori Grimes, you got, you know, every, a lot of the modern dramas have a bitch. Yes. And, and we often talk about this on our show. Like, do they know, like they have to know that these characters, particularly these women characters are so unlikable, like, and are they doing it on purpose? You know? And that's why I was surprised where, you know, Anna Gunn didn't understand in the beginning, like why people didn't like, Skylar like she didn't understand that and I like the idea that here it is on purpose like uh-huh. you're not maybe you're not supposed to like Piper yeah I'm playing I I agree yeah I know that they're like playing with that trope yeah and I mean maybe she just is a, not a good person not a likable person I will say that I you know before Orange New Black aired I heard a Piper Chapman interview on I think it was Fresh Air Terry Gross and I'm just like <laughs> Jesus this girl is just so up her own ass. And then I know there's a big story in season two where the real life Larry came forward and broke his silence about, you know, how he's being portrayed. And I just remember thinking like, dude, you are coming off like 10 times worse. Like I imagined that the show Larry was just a fictionalized douchebag version of you. But if anything, (laughs) that like, that's such a Larry thing to do. To see yeah, a right. mildly negative portrayal of him being this nebbish little chump and then being like, actually, I'm not nearly as nebbish and chumpy and I'm a, a dynamic person and I have my own life and I'm not just – I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here, all of you people. Like I actually suddenly like the, the show Larry better. So uh-huh. I totally endorse the idea of Gingy Cohen kind of doing a little bit of her character assassination on these real-life people. Yeah. I'm going to go with that. Like she said, her head cannon. I like that. Yeah. And I know, like, I, I know Amy read the book and she was not, she was kind of less than impressed. Um, mm-hmm. So like, and I, and I'm, I, again, if you read the book and you thought it was a life affirm experience, well, I mean, I'm not judging you. I'm just saying that, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm judging you a little bit. Just, just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> but, but it's subjective entertainment. What are you going to do? Right. Um, Duncan R wants to know, we do, I, 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 I had a little bit more to say about this scene, but I had some feedback from Duncan. I didn't want to step on his toes. He says, I was just wondering what you thought about the scene when Norma kills this guru. Was Guru Mac being an absolute prick, or was he trying to drive her away by being an absolute prick? It seemed to me when you consider the juxtaposition of the guru saying, the guru, the guru <laughs> saying, why are you still here? Why don't you just leave? You're following me around and getting nothing for it, remarks, with a sudden tirade of you are nothing. It could have been the guru character trying to get Norma angry enough at him that he would, she would just leave him and do something else with her life. Then again, I'm probably giving way too much credit to a character who is most likely just an absolute prick and a one-off. And I suppose it's not really in the show's MO to give the characters in the guru's sort of role any nuance, understandably so. So now that deconstructed my position, leaving it as bad as tenable as a shell crater on the Verdun battlefield. This is a, a hardcore history Dan Dan Carlin reference, if you didn't know. Okay. Uh, I will still inexplicably send this email to you because I'm both a prick and interested in what you have to say. What do you, so I think he's saying, um, is this like an old yeller situation where you're throwing sticks and stones at the dog and tell him to get away? 
because you're ostensibly trying to in long-term act in this person's self-interest best interest like make her and 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 also another follow-up question is that any better to completely to essentially say you're a like a small child or dog that cannot decide what's best for yourself so i need to decide what's best for you that's the other side of that coin but what do you what do you think yeah i don't i I agree where where he said he doesn't think it's in this show's MO to do that to a character like that, that we're never going to see again. I don't, yeah, I don't, I think he, that's too much credit. I don't think that's what he was trying. I just think that guy was just a dick. Yeah. And I, I think if it was hinted at, it's, it's the way I, it's, I think that, that the writers would take it the way I take it, that that's kind of, you know, that was a, that was a, yeah, a further dick move because if he, you know, if 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 Norma wants to follow him and love him and try to help him, then who is he to to turn her? You know, to turn her away, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and and to do that to like you know instead of just being like I'm leaving you, I'm had enough to like you know try to. It's a very passive aggressive thing to try to yeah. sabotage a relationship to help the other person leave, so you're not the bad guy. Right. I think he knew he was full of shit and he was a horrible person. And I think there was a part of him at this point that was like, of all of the wives, look at the one I'm left with. Like, I couldn't even be left with one that could actually talk or is hot, you know? Like, I honestly feel like he was just being Well, nasty. first of all, asshole, she was hot and you robbed her of her best years. Exactly. And <laughs> she seems to still be a hell of a woman. And right. so, like, yeah, see, I'm already reflexively Norma defending. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I Who know, the fuck are you, Guru Mac? You're no prize. <laughs> I think I really I do. I think he knew he was full of shit and right. And he just lashed out at her and he got what was coming to him. Yeah. Yeah. Again, not saying you should murder somebody, (laughs) but I understand. I understand. (laughs) I understand, Norma. I I feel your spirit and I will I I will I will I will multiple wife marry you any day of the week. So. Uh, anyway, yeah, I'll have to run that by Cecily, see what she has to say about it. But, uh, <laughs> uh, that's the episode again. If you'd like to send more feedback, orange at baldmove.com. Again, thank you so much, Nina, uh, for being on the podcast with me. Uh, you can follow Nina at projectfandom.com. Any last words? That's it. Thank you so much. So for I made it sound like you're dying. Any final words for today before we say <laughs> goodbye? No, just thank you for having me. I can't wait to continue. Um, I, like I said, I'm pacing myself, so I'll probably as a matter of fact, I'll probably watch a couple of episodes today. You got another episode coming, don't you? Mm-hmm. Are you mm-hmm. the hammer this season? Are you the final? Or are you the penultimate? Remember. I think I'm the penultimate. I'll double okay. check. Okay. All right. I, I thought you were either the hammer or the penultimate. I couldn't remember, but uh, yeah, we'll have you on one more time, and then maybe if uh, we can do a wrap up cast, if you can get yeah. on that too, that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, have a great rest of the day, everybody, and uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast, and we'll see you in a couple days. Until then, I'm Aaron, and she's Nina. And I'm Nina. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you later.